0: Thank you, everybody, for coming to this forum. The title of the forum is Building Blocks for Effective Communication. We'll find this a very, I think, very timely topic for everyone. Um, When Brother Rod called uh, to ask if I would be willing to lend myself for the forum, I uh, felt, first of all, very inadequate for the topic at hand, but felt moved by the Holy Spirit not to say no. And I wasn't sure why. He then said, you know, Brother Paul Weingartner did a whole day-long session on communication. I'm sure you could ask him for some ideas. So talk about intimidation. I I get a whole hour to do something that an expert spends a whole day doing. But um, but we'll work through this together and with especially the the Lord's help. Uh, Hopefully we'll glean something from this uh, little discussion this morning that will help us as individuals and as a brotherhood communicate more effectively with one another let's first ask for the lord's presence here among us heavenly father we just call upon thee now in this at this time for continued revival heavenly father to make us alive lively vessels for your use lord today we pray as we gather for this forum that you would speak through us that you would open our hearts and our minds to this topic in that heavenly Father that you would be glorified by our being together we ask this and praise you in the name of Jesus our great redeemer amen so what i'd like to do today is really provide a sort of a high level if you will overview of what's an incredibly complex topic and that is communication i'd like to place the emphasis on a it says a biblical perspective here a christian perspective if you will to this topic as we work through it many of you may have a handout i don't know if we had enough or not and we can we can make more copies if if anyone is interested Um, but um, give a little credit to my dear wife becky for having uh, helped me with this nice little schematic. What this will do is summarize what we'll be talking about today rather effectively as we work through the uh, forum together. You may want to refer to that and you'll see the, uh, the various topics as they unfold. Well, where do we start? Of course, we start with Jesus Christ, the great communicator. Jesus, if you think about it, came to communicate. He came to communicate God's love. He came to communicate God's plan for each of us individually. God spoke the eternal word, the very first communication, and that word became flesh. Jesus, the great communicator. Jesus said himself that I have manifested, or in other words, I have made known or communicated God unto men. And what did they do? His disciples, that is, specifically, they kept His word. Jesus said in, in verse 8, I have given unto them the words which thou givest to me, and they have received them, the communication, complete. And also, Jesus' overarching principle of communication, and that is let communication be grounded in truth. So if we don't remember anything else, let's remember that the overarching principle here is that it is grounded in truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and so our communication must be grounded in him. So to get started here, what is communication? Just whoever would like to Hazard a definition for us. Anyone. Communication. Brother Fred. I did a school essay
1: once in college on this topic, and I think I looked up website communication is the transmission of thoughts and
0: ideas. The transmission of thoughts and ideas. Excellent. What else? And good, that's, I was hoping it would come out, the end. the receiving of thoughts and ideas. Well, this isn't Webster, I think it's Oxford, but it just gives you the flavor. You'll see some of it, impart, transmit, as in news, feelings, ideas, and so forth, and a whole, a whole lot of synonyms down there at the bottom. So that, that is what communication truly is. Why is this an important topic for us today? And I added, if not timely, I I believe it's very timely. But what what are your feelings about that? Yes, bad communications, inadequate communication can and do cause all sorts of problems with Mark.
1: Hmm. And it, you know, it can cause like we wouldn't
0: want to Right. Yep, excellent. In world affairs, absolutely. Bob? so
1: so so exactly what saying
0: Good in today's technology if you didn't hear him he said we can communicate so quickly so rapidly instantaneously that it can cause a lot of problems if we're not careful in how we communicate and i think we'll see that come out for the right
1: That's and because of that, you, know, you have a huge
0: disparity The manner in which we communicate now in the very highly complex technological world is very different. And the, the ease in which we can misconstrue and misinterpret, and the way in which we present ourselves in a very anonymous, faceless technological way, very greatly influences our communication and that a plant a seed is a great topic for a forum next year it really really is there's a whole vast amount of information right there rick Yep, point being that uh, we need to be aware of the changing ways and means of communication and how others receive that information in our culture so that we're better apt communicators for communicating the message of Christ. One more.
1: So, Brother Mark,
0: one of the things that we've got to do is we can't eliminate the personal. Right. Because... Brother Ted Ted is my plant. That is exactly, what a segue. We have to make sure, in fact, what we're talking about this morning is interpersonal communication. We have to make sure that we don't lose the personal aspect of communication. That is absolutely critical. Mm -hmm. The problem with communication is that, is the illusion that it has been accomplished. The problem with the communication so many times is that we think we've said something we have it. it's an illusion why else is this an important topic for us I mentioned this in a little announcement think about it 40 to 60% loss of meaning in the transmission of what we say 87% of married couples interviewed in in a particular poll attributed the main problem in their marriage to communication it's a big it's a big issue And it's a big problem, and it's a very timely one for us. What is needed for effective communication? Just a few quick thoughts before we we launch into the material. Tony? For the
2: communicator to have a very clear idea of what he plans to
0: communicate, he or she plans to communicate. Okay. so to have a good idea of what it is you want to convey. Good. What else? Yes. If uh, Raise your hand, and if you'll have a, a lengthy comment, particularly, we'll, we'll use the mic over here. Aaron? Um,
2: I remember I read a book on communication once. Obviously, it didn't do too much good, but no, seriously, Um, one of the points that I never thought of before was that it said you have to kind of try to get inside of the listener's head and tell them what they need to hear in order f- for them to understand the concept as you see it. And so you may not speak it as naturally as you would understand it, mm-hmm. you know, but using phrases and examples or whatever, as that person would understand it Take best.
0: into a, an account. The listener. The listener. Who that person is, their background, their situation in life, what they're going through at that particular point in time. Excellent. So I work in the uh, nuclear training field, and um, it's essential that communications are, are, are correct and precise and accurate. Uh, and the method they use there is uh, repeat back. You say, I want you mm-hmm. to please mm-hmm. place the hand switch to the off position. The other person, the op- second panel operator says, you want me to place
2: feed pump one to the ha- off position? And he would say, that is correct. So that there's no question, as Brother Aaron said, you know, in, in your mind you, have, you want to do something. In my mind I want to make sure what's in your mind mm-hmm. in order for me to do
0: that. Excellent. Yeah, very good. So what we hope to accomplish this morning really is to increase our awareness as to the importance of communicating with one another in a clear and effective manner. And what I hope to do is to acquaint ourselves with a few principles of communication so we can avoid things like this. I know you believe you understand what you think I said, but I am not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. So, building blocks for effective communication. There will be five of them, and I'll refer to this again. If we begin at the bottom, the very first building block is our foundation, Christ, the cornerstone of our communication. And then we'll build up from there the last of the five, is the um, utilization of communication skills. And then we'll talk about a few barriers to communication. First, the building blocks, Christ the cornerstone. Secondly, recognizing that communication is person-dependent. Third, realize that our perception of people, how we perceive the person who is listening to us, affects how effectively we communicate. And fourth, we're going to talk about some just basic elements of communication, what, what communication consists of. And then finally, we're going to talk about some basic communication skills. First, knowing Christ the cornerstone. Well, John 3:16: "For God so loved the world that He gave us, His only begotten Son." we need to look to Jesus and we need to look to the preeminence of him as a reason for our communication. In fact, he is a reason for our, our being and we are communicating beings. We are interpersonal beings and so we look to him and we look to him as to what can we learn from scripture as to how he communicated. Well, first, we learn that Jesus was always in close communication with the Father. John 14:10 Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you I speak not of myself but of the Father. So he was always in close communication and the words that he spoke they were words of the Father. Loving God was his priority. Just as loving God must be our priority, it was the great commandment. Secondly, Jesus lived by the words of the Father. Remember when he was out in the wilderness and Satan came and tempted him after fasting for 40 days? And he responded and said, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Of God The communi- communion with God and communication of His word was a way of life for Jesus, and it was a way of living as it should be for us. And then finally, he prayed often to the Father. and there are so many references in Scripture that we could turn to here, but I thought of the, the Transfiguration, where when he took James and, and John and Peter up to the mount, and first he prayed. So he, was, he prayed often with the Father. Therefore, how does that pertain to us? As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, so walk ye in him. Colossians 2.6 So make communication with the Father your priority. Start there, just as Jesus did. Feed daily on his word and go often to him in prayer. That is the first building block. That is the cornerstone. And verse 6 goes right into verse 7 there in Colossians 2, which reads, Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So just as Christ's relationship with God, that vertical relationship, affected his relationship with others, the horizontal relationship, it follows then that our relationship with God will have a great impact on our relationship and our communication, that horizontal relationship with others. So we want to then turn to the next aspect of of communication, or the next building block, if you will, and that is that it is person-dependent. And this is what makes communication so complex, is it involves complex people, (laughs) each of us. We're going to just spend a little bit of time exploring that notion, first by talking about four characteristics of personhood, And secondly, by exploring three ways that we communicate. To stress the person connectedness of interpersonal uh, communications, we want to look at Ephesians 4.25, where it says, Wherefore, putting away all lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Communicate truth, be truth. For we are members one of another. We can't escape that, folks. We're connected. That's how we were created. We're here to communicate with one another. Interpersonal communication, someone once said, is the kind of contact that occurs when each person involved talks and listens in ways that maximize their own and the other person's humanness. personhood so we communicate with each other in a way that maximizes our personhood if you will or humanness and the other persons as well pick up on we'll talk about this in just just a quick moment what I'm talking about here is when you're in a interpersonal communication you're talking with a person so let's first talk about what distinguishes our personhood first Unique? What makes us unique? Any thoughts? As individuals? Any thoughts? Any geneticists among us (laughs) that can tell us all about how unique we are? Where's Aaron? There you are. (laughs) From a biological point of view?
2: Just the way our bodies and brains have. You know been designed to develop each according to our own genetic makeup, you know, it's I mean (laughs) That's what causes our brains to be wired the way they are. That's what you know, and and also just our our background Mm -hmm. in our family um, the way you know, we were we we get used to communicating and um, Just expecting things to be a certain way Mm -hmm. our habits um, All those things I guess make us unique
0: all of those experiences that we make going through life, they make us unique. God made us as unique individuals. That's how he made us. David said, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are they works that my soul knoweth right well. So we are unique individuals. When we go into an interpersonal communication, understand that we're unique. The other person has differing life experiences than we have. Second of all, we're, quote, unmeasurable. Now I know you can measure my weight and height and things like that. What do I mean, though, by being unmeasurable as a human being? There, Ted?
1: We cannot be compared to a standard.
0: We cannot be compared to a standard. Okay? what dimension that we have that that disallows that measurement to a standard uniqueness uniqueness good and what's part of our uniqueness that also the fact that we're dynamically changing ourselves the fact that we're dynamically changing ourselves growing all the time how about things like emotions feelings attitudes and so forth can't measure those really People try, but you really can't. And we all have those. So there's an emotional side to our being that makes us unmeasurable as a person. Understand that, again, when we go into an interpersonal communication. How about choice? Choice. We all have the ability to choose. The object world is very reliable. What do I mean by that? I put, leave a hammer outside and it rains it's going to rust very reliably it's gonna happen we can count on that the person world is very unreliable can't predict how that person's going to respond you may have said something that was very benign very harmless very <coughs> almost an afterthought and they attack you because they filtered your message through They're hearing and understanding based on their life experiences because they've chosen to hear that message perhaps that way. That makes us a person, that ability to choose. And then finally, we're addressable. So we're unique, we're unmeasurable, we have choice, and we're addressable. And really all I mean there is, think about it, things you can talk about animals and for some people plants you can talk to but people you talk with and that's an important distinction because we're addressable you can address a person as a person all righty another way of stressing the personal nature of communication is to consider the proper way to view communication and I'm sorry.
1: Could I ask a question before we get much farther? Yep. Uh, Mentioning the emotional part of it, um, let's say that the the truth of the gospel for you to relate that to them. If you you realize that they've been living in error, uh, false doctrine, and you want to share something to them, but you recognize their personhood, um, and you realize it's really going to shake them up. So what do you do? You just give them bits and pieces of the gospel? Is that what we're saying? we don't want to hit with a hammer, uh, you know, because it would, uh, you, you would see what I'm
0: getting? Yeah, the question, the, I'll repeat the question, and then I'm going to just to seek some help on this answer because it's it's a great question, and there's probably no one answer because not all people respond the same way. Um, but the question was, because of the emotional side of who we are, and you're uh, you're dealing with someone that you may suspect will be, uh, maybe respond in an emotional fashion uh, As you prevo- uh, present the gospel And you don't want to come across in a way With a hammer that is heavy handed And condemning perhaps But you want to be sensitive to that person And their situation Mark, are you help me with that?
2: I like how Nathan did it to David Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. he kind of went around the, the other side And he knew that David was emotional So he gave him an instance And then David responded just like he knew he would And he Answered the question, so I'm not that smart at doing that. But I think if we know someone has a tendency to be that way, you can sometimes use that in in a, in a positive yeah. way to it, communicate.
0: Very good. The key there, I think, is to know your audience, and what I mean by that is it's all about relationship building, as we'll see in a little bit. If you're out on a street corner. Just hitting somebody over the head—you don't have any idea what's going on in that person's life, or where they're from, or, or, or anything—and and that's going to be received probably that way. But if you spend time building a relationship so that you know how that person's going to respond or know their sensitivities, then you can adjust the transmission of that information. Instead, and brother Mark, also you started the the place right in the first place. <clears throat> Our communication has to start with God first. Mm. Because God knows the other heart better than, our, than we do. And therefore, he can also prepare that other heart. And when he prepares that, all the communication, and he prepares your heart, now communication works. Right. And, and there's an acknowledgment that God placed us in that person's life. Don't forget that. And so it's not us. God's using us as a vessel, as a vehicle, perhaps, to touch someone else. that He's put us there. Well, real quickly, three ways to view communication, then. Um, one way is action. That is, I'm talking to you. I really don't care if you're listening or not. I'm here to talk. That's an action. I'm talking. And it's up to you to listen. In fact, um, sometimes when I'm, I'm giving a talk, in uh, a say secular audience, if you will, uh, uh, just to sort of warm them up, I'll many times say that... Um, My job is to talk and yours is to listen and if you're finished before I am please raise your hand so I can stop so that that typifies action Uh, interaction is sort of the same thing but I recognize that it's my job to talk and yours to listen but then I'm going to give you a chance to talk back to me but you know what while you're while you're responding guess what I'm doing I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next I'm really not listening so that's really an interaction but what we really want to do Is make our interpersonal communication a transaction and what I mean by that is that we will exchange understandings exchange understandings of ourselves as individuals of of what's on our heart of who we are and that then becomes a transaction we're in this together so to speak so to sum up the second building block that is person dependent We need to view uh, communication, interpersonal communication, as person-dependent so that we we can view communication in the context of relationships. We're dealing with people, and therefore we're building relationships. And also we want to be aware of ours and the other person's, quote, humanness. I kind of don't like that word. I guess personhood is maybe a better word to does use there in a way that would demonstrate that awareness so be sensitive as we communicate to the fact that we're communicating with another person communication is person dependent and just an awareness of that is building on our ability to effectively communicate so next our, per, our realize our perception of people then affects how effectively we communicate. That's the third building block. Now I said earlier that our, our vertical relationship with the God affects our horizontal relationship with others. And the first thing we have to realize is that it also affects our perception of others. Okay, So our relationship with God will affect how we perceive others. The second great commandment that Jesus said is that we should love our neighbor as thyself. Do we do that? Do we go into an interpersonal communication in a sense of love with the other person? Are we perceiving that other person out of the eyes of love as Jesus would have us to do? And then secondly if our heart is right with God, then it becomes evident in how we communicate. That is to say, if our heart isn't right with God, it's going to become evident in how we communicate. What do I mean by this? Jesus said, A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. All right? The good treasure of the heart is that right relationship with God. And when we have that right relationship with God, good things come forth. However, an evil man out of evil treasure bringeth forth, what? Evil things. So if our heart isn't right with God, then what's going to come out? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. For by thy words thou shalt be judged, and, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. In other words... Your words reveal where your heart is in relation to God. Your words reveal your heart. Also, so perceiving others has a great bearing, your relationship with God has a great bearing on how we perceive others. But then how do we perceive others in, a, in an interpersonal communication There are differing styles of communication that I just want to touch on, and there are others here much more expert than I to to go into something like this. And admittedly, this is sort of geared in a business application or context. So some of this information might not directly translate, but I think you'll get the idea. The message here is that when we're in an interpersonal communication with someone else, we need to understand that we all have differing styles of communication. On the screen, you'll see there are eight such styles. They're really grouped in fours. So you can be extroverted or introverted, right? You can be a sensing person or an intuitive person, a thinking person or a feeling person, judging or perceiving. And while experts say that each one of us is predominantly probably one or the other, we're a combination of these. It's not just as cut and dry. But as we go through this quickly, you may relate to some of them and see if see if you do extroverted he's somebody or she's somebody who remains aware of the environment at all times they maintain their networks that's important to them And they take action somebody who's introverted pays attention to the infrastructure what's going on inside they conceptualize a problem very well and they look very deeply into issues sensing is someone who knows the facts they understand kind of the planning involved and they work out their implementation in great detail. Intuitive is somebody, however, who sees the big picture. They'll forge into new areas and develop new possibilities. A thinking person, they'll discuss issues in a very logical way. They'll consider the pros and the cons of the various alternatives, and they will spot inconsistencies in a plan because they're thoughtful in their thinking. A feeling person, however, they'll understand what is important to people. They'll acknowledge the human side of decision-making. What's the impact of that decision on a person? They'll help others accept a decision. Judging is somebody, they're involved in sort of making the machinery go, generating the systems, providing the organization, acting with decisiveness, everything has a place. Perceiving, on the other hand, they're kind of open to new ideas, they provide insight, and they react with flexibility if the system breaks down all right those are just some styles just a way of categorizing all of us and when we communicate with folks you might want to think about oh that's a thinking person I can tell by the direct manner in which they are responding to me well let's let's take a look at a couple quick examples of what I mean by this each of these styles has its own preferred method of communication for example Again, the feeling person is somebody who understands what's important to people, right? Well, how do they prefer to communicate? They prefer to be sociable and friendly. They want to know how the various alternatives will affect people. They're convinced by personal information, enthusiastically given. And they'll always present points of agreement first and seek the involvement of people. A thinking person, remember, they discuss things in a logical way. They consider pros and cons. Well, they prefer to be brief and concise. They want the pros and cons just listed out right up front. And they are convinced by cool, impersonal reasoning. Consider emotions and feelings as data to weigh and seek involvement with tasks or doing. Do you get the difference? The whole point of this, Is just to sensitize us to the fact that we all have differing styles and based on those styles we'll have preferred ways of communicating so if you're communicating with somebody who kind of is abrupt and cuts you off and knows what you're going to say before you even say it well that's a certain style you need to anticipate that perhaps so a building block of communication is to um, perceive if you will the other person in, in the communication. All right, let's move on. Uh, the next building block is the would be the elements of communication. And I've listed out um, basically two types receptive and expressive. The receptive elements of communication would be listening, as you're doing right now. You're receiving information. You can also receive information by reading, for example. And within the receptive, you, there's active and passive. An example of um, passive listening is if you don't know what I just said. <laughs> you just started daydreaming or something. You're kind of listening, but you're not. And passive reading, how many times have you read a page and said, whoa, I don't know what I just read. I'm going to have to reread that. You just, your mind went somewhere. You don't know quite where it went, but you certainly weren't concentrating. Well, that's passive. Expressive is verbal, and there are also nonverbal. Uh, elements of communication and of course writing uh, or emailing uh, which is uh, beyond the scope of what we're going to talk about today okay verbal cues real quickly it's what you say how you say when you say it it really makes the difference what you say well your word choice um, an example well, we all know that little article that little word but in the middle of a sentence typically negates everything you said before the but, right? An example of that. I like you very much, but I wish you'd brush your teeth, you know. What's the person hearing, you know? And they're both very valid comments, but they shouldn't have been joined together by that little word, but. So be careful how you choose your words. How you say it. Um, how you say it. The the I was impressed by, I think... Walter said this at the very beginning of camp that the emphasis on the theme is thou wilt revive me is is that Walter you're here right did you say you said that right yeah and and you pointed out the emphasis on me now what if we said thou wilt revive me or thou wilt revive me or thou wilt revive me you see it all has a different meaning and how we say it, the inflection of our voice, the tone many times, all those things are very important as to how we say what we say. And then finally, when you say it, um, timing the message is very important. Um, you know, there are, there are times to stay quiet. There are times to speak. There obviously, interrupting is not only rude, but it just breaks communication. So you want to be well-timed. And even that the, the, the essence of what you want to say that, you know, you want to think about is now the time to say that based on what's going on in that person's life. So that's the sort of thing I'm, I'm getting at. Timing your message is extremely important. Okay, nonverbal cues. We're all, we've all heard of body language, right? Well, what are some examples of this? Just anybody. Some examples of body language. yeah yeah, exactly this is this is a good one what does that mean richard yeah i'm not interested interested. maybe assuming a position of superiority possibly and you know what ever since i heard about this and i don't know where i was in life but somewhere in my past i heard about that and and i do that you know i don't mean to but when i'm talking to a colleague at work go like that and i think "Uh uh-oh you know i don't (laughs) you know it's just you get self-conscious i don't you know so you can go overboard with those things but yeah that's a good one anything else yeah getting
1: very uh, I've
0: had enough of that very good yeah when you're talking with somebody you kind of know when the conversation's over kind of when they put their pencil away or whatever you know <laughs> or or as as brother tony said you're fidgeting around and you're half out of your chair and you think okay that guy's checked out on me well there are facial expressions there are there's eye movement posture and gestures which we just spoke of and what do those things do what are the primary uses of body language well it expresses emotion it conveys an attitude it presents our personality in a lot of respects it also does something that brother Tony was talking about and that is it manages turn-taking feedback or attention so maybe you'll use a, a, a gesture or some type of body language to show the other person that your turn's over. It's my turn to talk.
1: Brother Paul. How, relia- how reliable, and I'm, this is not a loaded question, would you say uh, some of these items in body language are? Because I seem to violate all of them, and I don't really think I intend to. You that. don't intend to? Yeah. Uh,
0: probably only for people that have gone through forums like this they become viable because then <laughs> then you're sensitive to them but for the normal people probably doesn't matter <laughs> I, you know I don't mean to be facetious but uh, people that are sensitized to that unless you're overly bearing with that body language which some people do intentionally I was in a meeting recently with somebody uh, who wanted to assert himself in this meeting we're around a table and all of a sudden his posture stiffened He glared with his eyes stared s- straight at me <laughs> And uh, I knew he wanted some, he wanted some attention. Uh, and that was, he did that intentionally to get my attention. Uh, and that happens. Some people are aware of that. For the most part, when I cross my arms at work, I think folks know me well enough to know that I'm that's just kind of uncomfortable. But, so, all righty. Listening is the next element. And the critical, critical element of communication Oh, being I'm sorry very good um, okay I'm not going to go back to that slide but let's talk about being nonverbal cues would include body language and then something I just called being <laughs> and what I meant to convey there is just we communicate just by being us okay just by our presence we communicate yesterday in class uh, remember we did the little survey and one of the questions had to do with the quality of our witnessing and um, that scored rather low but my sister-in-law janet said uh, afterwards in the discussion of that she said but we're witnessing all the time that's this point we're witnessing all the time just by being we're communicating Uh, if you bring the the newspaper in for the neighbor or the mail-in or something you don't say anything about it they didn't ask you to do it but it was raining you just did it you're communicating to that person. You're communicating love, thoughtfulness, concern, whatever. So just our being is a way of non-verbally communicating. And, and I think that can't be stressed enough. Thank you for picking up on that. Uh, listening. There, there are three characteristics of good listeners. And just think about these. We'll go through them quickly. Uh, but the first is they listen with their eyes. How many times, you know, have you been in a conversation with somebody and their eyes are kind of wandering? uh, If you have somebody's eye contact for even more than two seconds, that's good. You got them. You know, they're, they're listening. Think about that. Dispense advice sparingly. I've been in conversations with folks and I'm just aching to tell them my experience because they're telling me their experience and I've had one just like it but I want to bite my tongue because they they want to talk. They're not here to get my advice. They want to talk. That's even more therapeutic, really, than to hear what I have to say. There'll come a time for you to tell your story, or you'll know when it's time to dispense that advice, but, but operate under the presumption that you need to be very sparing with your advice. And the third thing is a good listener will close the loop. Now, what that means is either through gesturing, yep, I nod, yep, I got gotcha, you, I understand. Or even better yet, repeat back the, in, in the highly technical areas where safety is a, of a great concern. Uh, as Brother Doug said in the nuclear area, they repeat back what the person said verbatim so they know the other person understood. Close the loop, extremely important. Well, how important is it to listen? Someone once said that the duty, first duty of love is to listen. All right, moving on. The final building block for communication then are the skills that we employ and deploy as we're communicating. We'll discuss seven skills associated with effective behavior. First is, we talked about, I want to bring it up again, really listen. The first skill in interpersonal communication is listening. God gave us. Two ears and one mouth. Go figure that out. Yep.
1: I know for me, that is a, a huge problem. E- even for something simple, if I meet somebody for the first time and I introduce myself, hi, my name is Roy, and say, hi, my name is John, two minutes later, I will not know if that person's name is. Yeah. Because I was not listening that's the. Uh, to, this, to what they were even yep. telling me, their introduction to me. A lot of times what I need to do on something simple like that is say, hi, my name is
0: John. <laughs> <laughs> and then you forget what they say next, but at least you know their name.
1: I have to actively concentrate to listen to them because my mind wanders so much that they should be talking to me and probably at the end of the competition, I'll have no idea what they said to
2: me. And I'll just nod my head, (laughs) thank (laughs) you. You're the only one in the room (laughs) like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Now we've all been there, and and really uh, the best thing to do is to be aware of that. That shortcoming. I mean, that is. That's. That's. I. I do the same thing. And, and. if at least I'm aware of that, I'm thinking I'm going to remember this person's name. I'm going to show a lot of interest in what they're telling me. And that's my main objective in this contact. Then I find it goes much better because I'm aware.
1: Doug. Yeah. Get somebody's attention.
0: Right. Very good. Y- yeah, you know you're an engineer when your wife sends you an email to come home for dinner. Know how to communicate with... you at home. Yeah. <laughs> and you're even at home. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, so for, our first, uh, for our first skill, that is really listen. We have a verse, and that is found in, first J- in James 1, 19. Be swift to hear. I just love how how james said that how the spirit inspired him to say swift to hear secondly keep an open mind how hard is this to do keep an open mind that's real hard to do it really is we need to keep an open mind when we go into a interaction with somebody jesus said that we shouldn't be judgmental people Understand where the other person's coming from. Seek to understand where that other person's coming from. Don't have preconceived notions about him or her. Then seek first to understand and then to be understood. He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and a shame unto him. And, and I do that a lot. You're you're getting ready to answer that person's question before that person's even gotten it out. You think you know what they're asking. More importantly, what they're asking is just on the surface. Understand what's below the surface, what is underneath that question. That's what this is getting at. Understand what's beneath that person's question. Then you're communicating. We talked about being timely. And sometimes we make a more effective statement by holding our tongue. Sometimes a more impactful statement we can make is by not saying anything at all. At that moment, choose your timing. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Show respect. This is a biggie. It's a biggie. Many times in our own families, our own, our church families, where we know each other so well that maybe we're not on our best behavior. Maybe we're just not, you know, being as careful as we should be with, with what, the words we use, um, things like that. How do we show disrespect in our communication? Angry words. Harsh words, judgmental words, a cynical remark, maybe. That's showing disrespect. How about nonverbal? We can use nonverbal body language to show that we're annoyed. And you do that intentionally. I'm going to let that person know I'm annoyed just by the way I'm looking, you know? Or disinterest. Have you ever done that intentionally? Assert yourself. Take the superior position by showing disinterest in the other person and what they're telling you condescension that's another one we can use with body language so a basic communication skill is to show respect and paul wrote to the ephesian church that you know let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another tender hearted, forgiving one another even as god for christ's sake has forgiven you may that be our motto when we go into a communication with somebody tender-hearted show respect be sure that our verbal and nonverbal messages are consistent well what do I mean by that have you ever been in a communication where somebody is saying something but you can just tell by the look of their face they mean something else oh aren't you sweet <laughs> you're somebody say that to you <laughs> Yeah, right, you know, uh, make sure, you know, that you're sincere in your message and that your verbal, your expression, and what it is you're saying are consistent. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. We may be hearing words, but what we observe in a person sends the message, that delivers the message. We may be hearing the words, but what we see... Many times that is the message. Some studies suggest that 90% of the meaning that we derive from communication comes from nonverbal cues. I read that. I assume it's true. I find it hard to believe. 90% of the meaning comes from nonverbal cues. Aaron's got a point here.
1: I um, guess. I think it's trust. Goes a long way. That's you know, why people listen to what
2: we say, and that's how we communicate with someone to so trust us. And, and right. when you know when your verbal and nonverbal cues aren't, are are contradictory, you know it's you either make people scared of you or they think you're lying or they, you know, they don't trust you. hmm Excellent. So I think it's a, a big...
0: Okay, trust is the underpinning of relationships what you're saying and when you're you give a mixed message suddenly that that trust erodes and as does that the relationship and as does that the effectiveness of your communication so excellent point very very excellent point with regard to being and that was the other aspect of remember nonverbal communication or being I thought of this verse and Listen to what James was saying here. And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which they are needful for the body. What doth it profit? I mean, how many times do we say, God bless you? And boy, do we really care about that person? We're saying, God bless you too? I hope so. I hope those aren't shallow words, hollow words. Make sure that our being you know is consistent with our, with our message and then finally a basic communication skill is to be complete and be specific be complete and be specific uh, and maybe it's this we're so rushed and busy and, and we have to say things quickly and we leave words out because you think the other person reads your mind and you know that's not it take time to, to communicate very deliberately it doesn't have to be slow but, like you're from Virginia, but I mean, it's, it, it, First, Jimmy? Anyway, no, I mean, it just, but be, be enunciate carefully and choose your word caref- words carefully, and as you can tell, the time is running out, and I'm even talking faster right now, and that's probably not good, I'm trying to get everything done. But be specific uh, with what you say. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. I love that. Studieth to answer. Be very deliberate about how we communicate. So, we've talked about five building blocks of communication. Christ the cornerstone, the fact that communication is person-dependent, the importance of how we perceive others in our communication. We talked about elements of communication and communication skills. We did that all rather quickly. We have a few minutes left, and what I hope to end with was a discussion of barriers to communication, because I think it's important for us to recognize that, you know, in a perfect world, this would be just fine and we'd all be communicating just great, right? But we don't live in that perfect world. We have barriers that uh, compromise our ability to effectively communicate. I will go ahead and try to finish this, and and if anyone needs to leave, I will not be offended. In fact, if all of you leave, I'll just stop talking. But uh, I'll just do a quick rundown on these barriers quickly, if that's okay, and um, leave you with with that. The first is baggage from our youth. I don't mean that in a pejorative term. In fact, in yesterday's uh, uh, forum, which I missed about marriage, uh, apparently there's a wonderful skit, and that really gets to my point. And the skit had to do with a married couple walk, coming into an encounter with one another carrying suitcases. So many suitcases that they, they couldn't come together to, to greet one another. Uh, that, that's sort of what I'm getting at. We all have a suitcase that we carry with us. and We've had it all our lives. And in that suitcase, we put life experiences. We put people we've known, we've, things we've heard, things we've read. All those things go in the suitcase. And then when I go into an interpersonal communication with somebody, I've got that suitcase with me. And the way in which, the manner in which I perceive that other person, or even the way I speak many times, will be influenced by what's in that suitcase. So a barrier to communication is just all those life experiences we have. Isolating culture. We've already talked about that in terms of technology, but television, video games, internet, all those things that take up our time. Um, you know, we are a culture that tends to be isolationists. It's a new phenomenon. And our children are growing up in a very scary, scary culture from that standpoint. Um, we're bombarded by outside pressures, just the, uh, the uh, increased demand on all of our time and in all that we do, those pressures compromising our ability to communicate we gravitate toward a comfort zone. What I mean by that is that some of us are essentially lazy. If we don't have to communicate, we won't. <laughs> um, I read that, um, and this isn't true or anything, but, but I think it was just making a point, I read that God has given the average female, uh, let's say wife, uh, 50,000 words in her word bank a day to use. The average male has 25,000. Now the average male uses 24,995 at work, so they get home and they've got five words left in their bank. <laughs> now, the average wife has maybe 25,000 left in her bank to use. So what do we do? Gravitate to that comfort zone because we only have five words. Well, that's, that's the idea here. Um, and, and then the last one is a fear of rejection. You know, that, that's the whole idea of exposing ourselves to somebody you know, by really opening ourselves up, expressing a viewpoint. Um, expressing what's going on in your life. You might have a fear of being rejected by that other person and will just clam up and not speak. Uh, What's that all about? So, quickly to break down the barriers. Baggage from our youth. We don't have time to do it. Read Acts 10. Read about Cornelius the centurion and about the vision he had and about Peter and the vision he had. And what was the underlying message there for Peter? The underlying message was that he should not judge anything unclean or common that God has made. So when we go into in, in the, the baggage we might have, we might be perceiving others through that baggage that we have. Don't do that. Have an open mind. Isolating culture. What I wanted to get in, to, into here was uh, and discuss with you here was just... God's um, um, uh, purpose for our lives in being a, a body, the body of Christ, being unified and united and how important that is. He did not intend for us to be isolationists, not at all. Bombarded with outside pressures, easy to say, hard to do, right? Be careful for nothing. But that is what Scripture teaches us, to put our our cares and and trials that we have into a perspective that they belong at the foot of the cross and gravitating into our comfort zone. Why do we do that? Well, Paul taught us in, in Philippians that we should let nothing be done by strife, that is tearing somebody down, or vain glory by building ourselves up. It's all about me, right? No, it's all about looking not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And in terms of fear of rejection, there is no fear in love. And love is the bottom line here because this is all about relationships. This is all about dealing with people. The key then, and I'll sum it up here, to effective communication is to look to Jesus, the great communicator, and build our communication upon his foundation of love. So I'm sorry we're running close to time. I appreciate everybody's participation and attendance, and may God bless each one of you. Thank you.